0: We are going to read the scriptures together. So if you want to read John, flip to John chapter 4. We'll be starting in verse 43. In our prayer as a church... Is for you to read the word and encounter the living God, to see the goodness of Jesus, to see the power that his words hold, that they are able to transform you, renew you, that they are able to redeem whatever situation you may be in, and that you get the privilege of encountering the living God and walking alongside him and with the church. So let's start in verse 43. After two days, he left there for Galilee. Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen everything he did in Jerusalem during the festival, for they also had gone to the festival. He went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and pleaded with him to come down and heal his son, since he was about to die. Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. While he was still going down, his servants met him, saying that this boy was alive. He asked him at the time he got better. Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. They answered, the father realized this. this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with the whole household. Now this was also the second sign Jesus had performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Alexia. This morning we are going to be um, dealing again with the question of faith, and not just because we're at church, um, which is what we talk about a lot, what it means to have faith in God, what it means to believe in Him, what it means to trust in Him, um, but it's a big deal in John's gospel. And so you're going to see story after story after story of people who are trying to understand who God is and respond to who God is, and we get this mixed blessing of things that are working out and things that are struggling and things that begin to work out, and then they begin to struggle. It's literally like life. And so the Bible records this and describes God's encounter, God's incarnation, God's reaction to the broken world that we're in. And then you and I get to come along, and we get to, to hear and, and see and experience, feel what God is actually doing in the world, and then, then we get to try to make sense of it. That's what the human experience is really all about. The Bible says, we want to give you, the Bible wants to give us a, a, a picture of reality of, of God in the world that might run against What you and I see, what you and I hear, what you and I feel, what we experience. And then you and I have to choose which one you're going to believe. Which one are you going to trust? Which one are you going to essentially to build your life on? And and so we see um, John the Baptist trying to figure it out. We see Nicodemus trying to figure it out. We actually see like a wedding party trying to figure it out. Um, we we see a woman just wanting to get some water and trying to figure it out. And over and over and over again, we see God incarnate in Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Jesus, speaking, I'm patiently enduring. I'm full of the, the, the part, the verse I will never forget. I, I knew it was there, but it has just so hit me that Jesus came full of grace and truth. I just I'm gonna say that a lot in this series. Full of grace and truth. In in perfect incarnation, embodiment, speaking the truth graciously, speaking the truth about grace and and modeling the amazing grace of truth. This is what it actually means to have faith. And, And so what I want us to do is I want us to just stop for a moment. We're about to get to the end of chapter four, and we've got a lot more chapters that we have to go through, but I think it's good to just say, hey... Let's, let's recap what we have seen here because there's a lot of repetition in John's gospel. So let's begin in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Um, I, I, again, the word faith and the word believe or the word trust, they're all related, right? They're cousins to one another. And in that relationship, we, we have to try to understand. And so often when we speak about faith, um, it's hard to imagine what it, well, I kind of know what it is. You're asking, like blind faith? And I, I just have spent a lot of time going, no, it's not blind, but, but you don't really see either. Hebrews tells us that. This is what Hebrews actually says. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, should be an underlined verse in your Bible. Now faith is the reality. That's an amazing, I just, faith is the reality. So, so often I think, like, I can't see reality, and so I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but faith is the reality. Faith somehow connects us to something that is real. And, and by the way, that's kind of in a nutshell, the text is Jesus saying to this man, but then speaking to an entire Uh, not just a city, but into an entire region, Galilee. And he's not just speaking about Galileans because the Samaritans have the same struggle. And he's not just speaking about Galileans and Samaritans. He's also talking about Judeans. He's talking about lost people far from God, and he's talking about the experts of the law. Unless you see signs, you won't believe. Unless you actually see something, hear something, or experience something that you really trust, that you know way down deep in your knower, you're always going to wonder if you heard it right, saw it right, experienced it right, interpreted it right. And you're going to create like a habit, an addiction. I just need another miracle. I just need another miracle. I just need another fix. I just need another fix. And Jesus says, in his kindness and patience, he speaks truthfully, but forcefully. This isn't isn't right. It's not best. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll, you'll never believe. Hebrews 11 says, it's the faith chapter. Faith is the reality of what is hoped for. That somehow I experience something that is actually real without like really experiencing it. I don't even know if I could say that twice perfectly. It's about experiencing something through faith, without actually really experiencing it. That's what faith is. It goes on to say, and it is faith is the proof. Faith is the proof of what is not seen. Paul just describes it as though there is this ability with people who have faith. Um, And and by the way, faith is is not the power in itself. Faith needs to be directed in something that is really sure and strong, because if not, it's just useless faith. I don't believe in the power of faith, much like I'm always concerned when I hear people talk about the power of prayer, like prayer is the key, like prayer is the magic. No, there's no magic. I believe in the power of God, And I believe in talking to him, that is called prayer, communicating with him, and I believe that God is real, and I believe that God is powerful, and if you ask me how I know, I know down deep in my knower because I believe, I have faith. Now you might go, I need a little more than that. Yeah, sometimes I do too, if I'm being honest, sometimes I do too. We learn these four things about faith, and we learn these four things um, in the first four chapters, at least these four things, in the first four chapters of John that I just think it's good for us to underline. It might might be good to even just kind of have this building list, although I think these are foundational for the rest of the gospel as it continues to unfold before us. The first one is this. What have we learned about John, or from John's gospel? Number one, that Jesus is more than a prophet. Ask the woman at the well. She'll tell you he's more than a prophet. If you ask John the Baptist, he would tell you he's more than a prophet. If you ask Nathaniel when he encountered Jesus, he's more than a prophet. Even Nicodemus, although I don't think yet in time, if we're still at chapter three, chapter four, I don't think he fully understands who Jesus is, but I bet you he suspects he's more than a prophet. John chapter one, verse one makes it very clear. Um, You have no idea how much more than a prophet Jesus really is. If you wanna talk about prophets, and they're usually like way up here, right? They're like high. No, we're talking about infinitely higher. John chapter 1 verse 1, what does it actually say? In the beginning was Jesus. I'm just going to translate that for you. The word is logos in the Greek, but we all know he's talking about Jesus. In the beginning, so before there was anything else, there was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus is God. That that takes who he is and what he does and what he says to a completely different level And, and John wants us to know that is true. John doesn't want us to be confused at all in terms of who he is. He wants us to listen to him, not like we would listen to Isaiah, but listen as if God were speaking because God is speaking. When Jesus is talking, God is speaking. The second thing that we actually learn is this that Jesus reveals his Father's purpose in the world. I wonder what God's doing in the world. Well, if we want to know what God is doing in the world, Jesus makes it very clear. Turning your Bibles to a verse that you've probably never heard before, John 3.16. John 3.16. What does that say? And what's interesting is you and I can rattle it off so easily, so quickly, that we fail to recognize what it's actually saying. That God loved the world that he created, that God loved the world that he created that rebelled against him, that God graciously persisted with them because of his love. So much so that he sent his son who's always been with him. And the son he gave, he gives over, and we know the story, he he didn't just give as like a, a passenger, he's not a traveler, he's not vacationing, no, he put on flesh and he dwelt among us. And he's going to keep dwelling among us and he's going to give himself completely for God so loved the world that he gave to the point of death his son so that he might redeem creation. That means that everyone who has faith in him, everyone who trusts him, everyone who believes in him is going to have life. Like a life that begins at faith and never ends. I want to steal a phrase from John 11. Jesus says to to, to Mary and Martha as they're wrestling with this, He he almost says, well, just look at me. I know know you're looking at the graveside right now, but I need you to look at me. Like, I know your heart and your mind are just absolutely wrestling because your brother is dead, but I want you to look at me. Um, I am the life. I am resurrection. I am resurrection. I am life. Really? What does that mean? You are life. Yeah, get used to statements like that. Jesus has revealed God's plan and purpose. So if you're ever wondering, what is God doing in the world? John 3.16. If you're ever wondering, what is God's plan for the world? John 3.16. And and then the the falling out or the spilling over of this plan of God giving and God redeeming and God restoring its the rest of the gospel. We actually then see the third thing, which is that, um, here's where I, I get it. Okay, well, if God loves the world and we've rebelled against him, boy, God coming down, like that should fix it, right? And the answer is yes, kind of, not really, but yes, kind of, but not really, but yes, kind of, but not really, but yes, kind of. But and again, there's this, but yes, right? That's the, isn't that it? It's all of those things. We have such a reductionistic way of looking at things. We want Jesus to come and everything to be fine. That's why you always ask the question. I've asked it too. Like, why didn't God just fix it in the garden? Adam and Eve sinned. God sends his son. There's just two of them. I mean, chances are they'll both believe. And then everything goes fine from there. Why is this plan? And the answer is I don't know. No, that's my answer. God's answer is I'm going to fix this, I'm going to send my son. And a kingdom that he will establish will last forever. And then, out of his kindness, he says to me, do you want in? Do you want to participate in this? Number three is that Jesus and his message will be mostly rejected. That's the one where I just have to scratch my head. I don't get it. If it's so clear, if it's so obvious, then why? And and the answer shows um, the, the depth of the plan and the mystery of God, the, the brokenness of, of, uh, of women and men throughout history. And if you don't think they're broken, just read the news. If you don't think they're messed up, just, I mean, just talk to your friends for 15, 20 minutes and hear their pain and their heartache, much of which is self-caused, so much of which is caused by others. There is this brokenness, and even though Jesus comes to heal, John wants you to know this isn't like, there's no such thing as this quick fix. John chapter one, verse 10. He, Jesus, Jesus was in the world, and the world was created through Jesus, and yet the world did not recognize Jesus for who he was. And, And the Bible will say, because it loved its sin, because it didn't want to know the truth, because it was really happy. The world had spent all of its time coming up with its own agenda, with its own interest, with its own plan, and Jesus isn't about the world's plan. Jesus isn't about my plan. And so when my plan and Jesus' plan don't match, then I have to choose which one I'm going to work with. And it's so easy to just stay in the rut or in the grooves that I'm already in. Add Jesus when necessary. Remove him when it's complicated wash, rinse, repeat it's Jesus who is in fact God God's redemption and restoration of the world um, on my agenda and and that's why Nicodemus approaches Jesus it's Nicodemus' agenda and that's the rub this woman at this well just minding her own business Jesus interjects She's wanting water, Jesus is wanting to offer so much more, and there's a, a rub. There's something that's not right, that's broken. And what we're going to see in John's gospel is that some will believe it's like a miraculous thing. It's, it's, not, it's not anything that we can just do on our own. This is the beautiful power of the working of the Holy Spirit and the sovereign plan of God And and listen, I get it. If right now you're sitting there and you're going, but I don't like it or that's not fair. Okay, I don't. But let's be honest, I don't know what else to tell you. The Bible makes it very clear, does it not? So the one thing we we should not be, but I'll be honest, I continually am, are just surprised at the number of people with broken lives who still say, yeah, not interested. Not interested. John says, John says, that's what you're going to see. So then, after a feeding of 5,000, at least, they had their fill, and then Jesus starts teaching, and they're like, is there gonna be dessert? Oh, no dessert? Okay, I'm out. And it's, it's more than that. They're not just, they're not just a, a short attention span people. Jesus starts talking, and he starts explaining who he is and the demands of what this unseen faith which is still a reality and a proof. Um, he's, he talks about what that means and he, he puts himself at the very center. Not some kind of agenda. You'll join an agenda. It's like a kid standing up. I was, I was preaching at a, uh, another OSU in Corvallis, Oregon and I'm just talking about the complexities of the broken of the world and I'm just kind of saying to these kids, do you really think you can fix it? Do you really think you can fix it? And um, and this kid, ne- never speak to a crowd and like solicit a response with high school students but in the middle of this crowd, like in this area, a young man named Noah, he didn't stand up, but he just yelled back, well, I would do something if I thought it would matter. Uh-huh. I thought it would matter. I mean, we'll join agendas. I mean, we can get on board with that. And Jesus says, like me, eh, a little vague, but I'm the one the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am not a lot of life. I am. Yeah, not interested. So get used to that. Don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised. Why are we surprised when people are like, you know, I tried the Jesus thing, not so much anymore. Yeah. We don't give up on them. We continue to witness to them and love them and care for them. And then but to be surprised. Hurt? Yep. But no, faith is hard. And can we just be honest about that? Faith is a struggle. That's reality. Third thing, or the fourth thing actually is this. That the message of God, even for those who understand, is still difficult to understand and accept. (laughs) Right? Like even for those of us who get it, it is still difficult to understand. It is still trying to understand between water and water and a new birth and a new birth. It's still going to just exact absolutely everything from us and then life comes in and it is just constantly wearing us down. Almost like God knew in advance, he did. When I got to this point in first service, a gentleman sitting right around where you are, Paul, um, blood pressure fell and he just passed out. Everybody jumped up. And I thought about saying, excuse me, I'm just finishing point four. Can you just wait? <laughs> no, I stopped. We all stopped. And we looked. I'm sure we were deeply concerned. And then those who are really gifted at what they can help him with, they, they gathered around him, and they carried him out, and his wife followed him out, and he's great. Gene is doing well. It was just a drop in blood pressure, and they're just going to the hospital to check him out. But we can pray for the Burrises. Um. And I just couldn't help but think because I had to try to gather myself and get back into my sermon. That happens all the time. I thought I had faith figured out and then my blood pressure drops (laughs) or rises or I get a report from the doctor or I get some interruption or people are walking out on me or yelling at me or screaming at me or I'm screaming at them. And, and when can I just stop and to reflect? And the answer is that doesn't happen, not to Nicodemus, not to a Samaritan woman. It doesn't happen to John the Baptist. It doesn't happen to any of the disciples. That Jesus Christ in very real time comes and he approaches and he says, listen, I am God. I've come to reveal his plan and his purpose. Most are going to reject this message. And for these of, those of you who understand it, it's still going to be difficult because I'm trying to help you understand a reality that is beyond you. And that is more real than you. And you can understand or appreciate. And that's how John 4 ends. It, it ends with a, uh, a rather bold statement. L- look, look at chapter 4, verse 44. Jesus gives this proverbial statement. Now you need to remember this though. If we ever want to kind of blame a problem on a particular kind of people or group of people or a location of people, um, it's a little, it's, it's a lot bigger than that. This could be said of a lot of places. Right, right now, he's. We don't, this commentator's even love to where he's, where, who's he talking about here? Is he talking about those in Jerusalem who don't want to honor him? Is he talking about those in Galilee who don't want to honor him? Is he talking about the Samaritans? Which, by the way, some of those villages do not want him or his kind around. Okay, there are good Samaritans. There's a wonderful group of Samaritans here that Jesus stays two days with. There are other villages that want nothing to do with them. So, just in case you think there's some trick to following God by being a Samaritan, nope. Doesn't cure it. Jesus says in verse 44 Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. Yeah, you, you, you can just read from like here to hear everyone who speaks the word of God to the world or even to the people of God it's just hard to listen to them now by the way this is a little bit more than yeah it's just hard to do the same thing in your hometown it's it's, it's hard not all of us are from French Lick okay that was a Larry Bird reference anybody get that okay three of you wow okay Um, not all of us get to do that Um, I I think it's probably true, the proverb that, um, who who is an expert? An expert is anyone 100 miles from home. You should have heard me last week in Mexico. I was amazing. (laughs) Like, even our high school students liked me, didn't you? Didn't I do a good job, Trace? Yeah, like, I did a great job. I, I, some of the cross kids, and they're like, hey, didn't you used to speak at CIY? Why don't you speak at CIY? I'm like, because they don't want me to anymore. They want younger, cooler people like Drew and Morgan and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, you should speak at CIY. I'm like, yeah, well, come to Stillwater. You'll get used to me. There is. There's something about that, isn't there? But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking more about, like, the prophet, the words of God, are just really, really hard. That's why commentators go, well, it's not just Jerusalem, it's not just Galilee, it's not just Samaria. Most commentators actually believe that what Jesus is talking about in terms of his own country may actually be referencing the world that God had made. There's just something about people who don't want to hear the truth, who are just tired of hearing the truth, tired of hearing about the demands of faith, and why God won't do what we've asked him to do. That's the struggle of faith. And so Jesus says very boldly, here's where he says it. The story is about a man who travels from Capernaum, roughly 17 miles, travels from Capernaum. That's day's journey. And he's looking for Jesus. Imagine when you don't have a phone and you don't have a map and you just hear that Jesus is in a place that's 17 miles away. And so you start walking, hoping that he'll be there when you get there. Right? We just go, oh yeah, so Jesus will stay. How did he know Jesus would stay? This is a sign of a desperate man, and he is a desperate man because his son is sick. His son is dying. And when your son is dying, you do whatever it takes to cure him, if you're a loving father. And he's a loving father. So this royal official sets out, and he is just walking, worried, concerned, angry. And he finally gets to where Jesus is. Now, he's in Cana, which by the way, we just go, hey, Jesus did another miracle there. And the whole section ends with this is the second sign. So there's something powerful about that, that region, not, not power in and of itself, but that John is drawing this attention that here's what Jesus is doing. And, and, I, and I just think this is God's kindness is that God knows what we need. Um, and what we need the most is him. And then God is patient and gracious to us because he knows like just how, um, how short our attention span is. How fickle we can be. And so as this man comes, and, and people are really struggling to, to trust in and to believe in Jesus, Jesus then speaks, look at verse 48 of our chapter. It says, Jesus told him, so he's speaking to the Father, but I think he's speaking to everybody. Jesus told him, unless you people, doesn't that sound kind of strong? Unless you people, I don't know how to read that without getting like a you people kind of a feel to it, right? And by the way, he is. This is what it means to be full, for Jesus to demonstrate grace and truth. Sometimes us people, we people, need to hear the truth about ourselves. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And there's there's a rebuke in that. I believe there's also like a patient persistence in that. I don't think it's a pat on the back, but it's, it's not God giving up either. It's God's patient persistence with people who are trying to believe, who are looking for a reality beyond what they can see and hear and experience, who are looking for proof of what they really hope for to be true. And unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. So what does Jesus give him? This is what I love about Jesus. is Jesus gives him what this man needs, that he doesn't know he needs, that Jesus know he needs. That more than anything, what he needs to learn is to trust him. That's what he needs. Now, I know at the moment that the most important thing in his life is that his son live. And by the way, you read the story. Jesus is going to do that. That's not what he needs the most. That's what he thinks he needs the most. It's not what he needs the most. What he needs is to learn to trust him. What he needs is to learn to see life from his perspective. He needs to know the truth about Jesus. He needs to be able to answer, should Jesus ever ask, I am the resurrection and the life and whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And he needs to say, yes. So Jesus is going to make known the power of his word. The power of his word. So after this, and it is, after this, not, not, not strong, strong, but after this clear rebuke, the man says, but you don't understand. Like my son is going to die. It's, it's, like, it's like he hears Jesus and then he persists through it. And I love what Jesus says to him. Look at verse 50, just the first half of verse 50. Jesus says, Go, your son will live. Now, his plan was to get Jesus to come to Capernaum. And we need to hurry because we do know this. If anything you learn about John's gospel, once someone's dead, they stay dead. But no, they're acting like everybody else. You gotta get there. God, you gotta get here. 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 Can I bring you to Capernaum? I mean, it's 17 miles. You need to come to Capernaum. And Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you, you people will never believe. And then look at what he does. He says to the man, Go, your son will live. So, like, here's Jesus standing here Go, your son will live. That man is standing right here, 17 miles, mostly north, a little east, is his son. And he has to decide. What does he do? I so want to bring you with me. I can you? uh, I don't know how else we. Is there any other way we could do this? It's 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 so interesting. I love to slow this down because we just read verses like, and and then you know, just the next second he was seventeen miles away, or. No, he now has to decide, will I believe or not? And he turns and walks and walks and walks and walks and walks. We don't even have time to to talk about how much he walks. I want to look at these two verses side by side. The last half of verse 50 says this. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed wow, now that's faith, isn't it? Isn't that incredible faith? At that moment, he chooses to believe in Jesus and he turns and he just starts walking that direction. And then as he walks, we literally find out for over a day, so do you think while he's walking, if you can just imagine, do you think while he's walking, he's wondering? Do you think he's vacillating between I hope my son is well. Well, I'm sure my son's well. Jesus said he would be well, but how do I know? Like, how do I know? I mean, I know that's happened to somebody else, but I don't know if that's gonna happen to me. And what if I get all the way there and he's dead? Then what am I gonna do? Was this journey a waste? Does this make any sense at all? Like, should I go back and get him and see if I can get him to come? Is there any way that he could just transport us to there? I can only imagine what it would have been like as he just walked. They come to him, the messengers, and they say, Your son has lived. When? when? When did that happen? Yesterday, at this hour. And then it says in verse 53 the father realized that this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, Your son will live. So he believed along with his whole household. <laughs> Jesus says, Your son will live. And he believed. And I know I'm kind of reading into it, but I think it's fair because Jesus has already said, unless you see signs and miracles, none of you people will believe. B- believe, um, wonder, doubt. No, 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 I would choose to believe. Wonder, doubt. No, I choose to believe. And he does that for a really, really long time. And then God in his mercy and in his kindness verifies it to be true. Oh, he is so good. Is he not? But can I just say he's good anyway. He's good anyway. Not just when we do, when he does what we ask him. He's good anyway. And then he confirms this. And, and you and I live most of our lives, in some sense, we live all of our lives between go and hearing the news that our son will live. We literally live all of our lives, all of our spiritual lives in this place. Between your sins are forgiven and experiencing Jesus say face to face your sins are forgiven when we think about the power of Jesus words I often think about him standing up and speaking to a storm peace be still and then there's quiet now that's power I think of the power of Lazarus come out and Lazarus walked. Now that's power. I think about like Jesus doing these amazing things with his words. How about these words? Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Eh, kind of a little too theoretical. I'm more into the Lazarus come out stuff Go back and take a look at the number of times Jesus says things like, and, and blessed are you when you are persecuted for all kinds of things that you've done for me. Blessed are you. Wow. Do you believe that? We do know a story in, 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 the, in the Gospel of, of John. And I'm not going to read it all to you, but it's very interesting the number of times these things fold on one another. And there is a moment with, with Jesus and his disciples, um, and then there is one. Do you remember him? His name is Thomas. But we have a name for Thomas, and it's not faithful Thomas, is it? It's not just the uh, the, the, the wonderful, believing Thomas. What is it? What do we call him? Can you imagine that's your name for eternity? I really believe that a number of these disciples, when we get to heaven, he's, I don't want to hear it from you again. (laughs) Seriously, one moment in my life, and you, you categorize me as this, Peter the impetuous, Thomas the doubter. But Jesus actually says this in this powerful encounter. Jesus actually says this. Thomas... He says, I'm not going to believe it. I can't do it. I can't believe it. It's like he's from either Galilee or Samaria or Judah. He's from one of those places because he can't believe unless he sees a sign. And Jesus in his kindness says, touch, put your hand. And then Jesus says, you are blessed because you believe, but blessed are those who do not see and yet still believe. And that's us because Jesus knows our struggle and Jesus knows that we'll spend the vast majority of our life walking back from Cana, go to Capernaum, your son lives. And in that time, we need to know that he can be trusted and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, his words are powerful. He says, this is a little piece of bread. No, what does he say? This is my body given to you. And the only way for you to understand that is by faith. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will never perish. I will give you a bread that will only satisfy you. Eat my flesh and drink my blood Do you believe this, church? And so we engage the living Christ when we take it and when we eat. This is the cup representing the blood of Jesus that was given to us for redemption and restoration. It's not grape juice. It literally, it reminds us of what God has done for us in Jesus. And I would argue, can something be more powerful? I'll have to rethink this, but right now I want to say it's more powerful than storms being calmed or Lazarus walking. Um, It's the reason behind all of it that Jesus says, this is. Church, do you believe it? For the forgiveness of our sins, let us drink. And that is why we do what we do. And that is why we live how we live, because we believe in the words of Jesus. Even when it's hard to see Him, or really, really difficult to hear Him, when the yelling and the screaming of life and the complexities and the difficulties of life get in our way, we persist by faith, do we not? Believing the one who promised is good and He will reward. Let us stand and sing praise to this great and mighty God together.